0: Welcome to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Hello. Welcome back. How's it going? You feeling Great. alert? Yeah, I am actually. I've been drinking um, nice. Moxie. I wonder. I don't know. what. The, oh, that's that weird soda. That's that Northeast <laughs> soda. <laughs> I don't know. I would not dare to taste that. Ugh. Carb, it tastes like <laughs> car fluid or something. So I think it's delicious. I grew up you- drinking it, so. Then I'm all the more happy for you That you should love <laughs> niche things And be all the more proud of them Is what I say So I won't shame <laughs> you for it But not my taste I'm glad that you're wired Because we today have a book recommendation In front of us And it's late at night So let's get to it Today we're going to be recommending a book If you're unfamiliar with the show First of all, welcome You found a book recommendation episode On the nonfiction narrative ghetto side By Jill Leovi We are, as I mentioned The Lightly Literary Podcast We have feeds up on Instagram. Instagram, and Facebook. So follow us on those. It's at the lightly literary podcast, which is all one word. So check us out there. We post the schedule and upcoming reads and some promotions and stuff. Also, if you found this on a podcast platform like Spotify, iTunes, that you can leave a review on, please do so. It helps enormously. Tell your friends, tell your family. Give us away as a free gift. You know, podcasts are the ultimate free gift and maybe a burden to some. <laughs> some people don't want to listen to audio, but if, if they like them, then bring it on. Uh, again, welcome. We'll be recommending this book today. The goal of a book recommendation episode is just to discuss the work kind of as a whole. We are not here to spoil or do in-depth analysis. We are here, in fact, to persuade you to read it with us because we'll be covering the book in the next or over the next two weeks in two different episodes or installments so the goal of today is to kind of convince you to read it right to try and get you on board with the book amanda any early thoughts on ghetto side you want to get out there a little teaser um it's
1: it's a nonfiction, but it is also narrative yeah definitely yeah
0: from the cover let's read briefly and then let's get to this recommendation here's a little preview of what the book is like Uh, from the front cover someone is killed nearly every day in los angeles county murders mostly unnoticed by the city at large and likely to remain unsolved by the police the killing of bryant Tanelli seemed oh it was bryant okay seemed destined to share that fate until the case was assigned to john skaggs a relentless detective of unusual gifts whose investigation reveals much about the epidemic of american homicide and how it can be stopped so that is the goal and aim of the book let's get into the recommendation amanda shall we yeah. All right. First part we're going to do. We like to start off with some quick recommendations. We call this rapid fire recommendations. We're each going to fill in the prompts. You should fill this book if a few different ways. Amanda, take it away. Who should read this book?
1: Um, you should read this book if you're interested in the defund the police debate.
0: It's an odd book for an odd time, because it was written before that movement, but feels all the more relevant because of it in a weird way, yeah. and then also you feel the absence of that idea throughout the book, too, just based on what she chooses to focus on and prioritize and stuff. You're 100% right. It feels essential in that way. It's get a good um, kind of insight into the inner workings, to say. Right. I think you should read this book if you still somehow watch the nightly cable news
1: it does talk about the media portrayal of of violence especially in certain communities so i think yeah that's that's a good point <laughs> but who, yeah. who does does anybody even have cable now i don't know
0: <laughs> the elderly amanda and they need this book more than anyone perhaps <laughs> i was um, thinking of another targeted group but we'll leave it there oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, You should
1: read this book if you're curious about America's gang culture narrative.
0: Yeah. Uh, There are things that I think have helped us understand that more deeply, but it's also something that many Americans most, the vast majority, let's even broaden it out, have no intimate knowledge of and probably only know some quick facts and maybe even cliches. So Mm -hmm. definitely helpful. I'll, I'll add on and say, you should read this book if you have seen the HBO show The Wire.
1: I've never seen The Wire.
0: Excellent. Let me follow this up. I should also. I also think you should read this book if you have not seen the HBO TV show The Wire. <laughs> That's my next one. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm assuming it's a police show.
0: Yeah, I think it really is the, we'll get to this in a second, but the the mass media cultural touchstone for just, hey, I want to understand policing and drug life and gang life more. How can I do that in a, you know, well done artistic way and not just go read studies and read the papers? <laughs> um, mm. This is, I think it is held up as one of those masterpiece achievements of both a just fine TV program. You know, it's it's got narrative, it's got hooks, it's got... Literary elements But then also It's just a very Thorough show It really It truly does The all sides thing Like in a very Sincere and intense way It's just excellent It's one of the All time Most important TV shows ever made College classes Have been dedicated To it Et cetera Et cetera oh, So it's Yeah It's really Quite an achievement And it shows Its age a little bit It's very focused On beepers Because it was Made during When beepers existed
1: Oh heck yeah <laughs> Yeah I know right
0: <laughs> So you know It's dated But the the core issues Hold Up incredibly well, so that's. I I took this one over. I'm sorry, I didn't know you hadn't seen the wire. Sorry.
1: No, it's it's good. I I love to add things to my to watch list.
0: Excellent. Who else should (laughs) read this book, Amanda?
1: Um, You should read this book if you want some heartbreaking scenes in reality
0: if you don't mind a tear or two as you read it is intense it does not pull back from the subject matter we had to do a quick impromptu content warning on one of the episodes maybe i'll do it on both but yeah it's it's the full underbelly life the violence that comes with that the kind of desperation the destitution also you know some real communal moments and some a lot of inspiring moments of sympathy and empathy and family connection and stuff so it's I also, I don't want to just start throwing out cliches because the book tries to avoid them too, (laughs) but it's, (laughs) it's intense. It's intense. Uh, I think you should read this book if you are not sure how to feel about the police or policing.
1: Yep. That's a, that's a good one. She does focus on the, uh, community's viewpoints. Uh, she points out some of the viewpoints about how they see the police and also how the police see each other through each department. Mm-hmm. Um, you should read this book if you'd like to know more about some criminal justice
0: history. The history is sprinkled. It is. A, it's a light sprinkling. It's not the. What's a good food metaphor? Sprinkle, I guess. It's not the. It's not the cake, and it's not the frosting. Well, maybe it's a little bit of the frosting, but it's it's functional and it's effective, but it's not the point of the book, that's for sure. There are definitely some page-long asides about a perhaps political, philosophical point she wants to make or some kind of background about... Statistics or the history of LA Or anything like that so yeah I think It's light it has a light enough hand with that To not be overwhelming but it's In there and it's interesting it adds for sure Final one for me I think you should Read this book if you are a white person Who lives in the United States of America And you live above the poverty line
1: Yeah the the Focus is on A lot of the time like white Cops I suppose and then the Black community that they serve that's uh, Very much impoverished um, so yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and my final one is: uh, you should read this book if you want a protagonist who is a surfer dude at heart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she does. She does love the protagonist, and she picks one too. The author. She she does admire this cop, who detective, I should say, who's at the center of things. Yeah, he has surfer slang in kind of a charming way. It, it's just funny to me that she does zone in on that or zoom in on that early. My impression of him leaving this book has nothing to do with surfer mentality i <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you're you're not wrong though because he has a certain i don't know not a laissez fairness about him but just a dogged acceptance of things in a sense too there's that kind of zen state of surfing i I don't know it's he's a, he's an interesting study for sure. Um, yeah. Surfer dude, I'll leave up to the readers. Let's move on <laughs> to the next segment, Amanda, which we are swapping out the similes. Goodbye, similes. I beat you into the ground, to use a <laughs> implied metaphor, <laughs> and ruined you forever. So my apologies. Maybe we'll go back to them. They were fun, but not helpful, I don't think. <laughs> Instead, we're going to put in a much more practical segment here called the Pop Culture Touchstone, or Touchstones, where we just give some kind of comparison of this work to something else you might be familiar with. Should I go first, Amanda? Because you'll never guess what my pop culture touchstone is. Yeah, go ahead. It's the HBO television program, (laughs) The Wire. (laughs) Ever heard of it? So (laughs) let me clarify a couple things quick. The Wire is renowned for many reasons I've already said. This book reminded me of it in many ways and then didn't. The Wire is more thorough in exploring the criminality and the gang drug dealer lifestyle, the inter- social intertwinings of those things, the demands that that culture puts on a person and how you get entangled in it, how you can try and get out. This book does not ignore that stuff. And it really does well, actually, I think, by the, the victims' families and the victims' the situations they're in, the the kind of horrible entanglements and everything, so I I respect all that. I think The Wire does better at sort of understanding the criminals. This book acknowledges them and definitely does some work with them, but I wouldn't say it's the best parts and the most thorough parts. So just as a heads up, but if you like crime TV that has subtlety and isn't just another heinous crime that detectives will crack it oh this criminal's a disgusting monster isn't that kind of like what csi is like i don't watch those shows i I
1: guess so. Yeah. And
0: is CSI also the one with the terrible puns? Yeah, and the, and the dramatic, <laughs> you know, um, glasses, rip rip off the glasses, and uh, it's yeah. going to be a yeah! long night. <laughs> totally. The, and The Wire's the antithesis of that, just to be – that's why I'm bringing it up. The the Wire's the antithesis of that. <laughs> it's very purposefully paced, very thoughtful, very cautious, and very all-sides-y. So I, I think that's just a better comparison for this book. This book is not like CSI, you know – I, it has moments like that, though, but it overall is much more measured. So that's my final thought. What's your touchstone for this one?
1: Um, I thought I chose a very obvious one, um, which is Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates, which actually you and I have talked about before. We did. Um, yeah. Yeah. And is another nonfiction work. So there are some similarities, but again, some differences. Um, so the similarities being that they both are focusing on... Um, violent crimes within um, the black community, but also the police's um, um, reaction to that and their, the kind of like the f- philosophy um, of some of those police officers being uh, not correct and not helpful in mm-hmm. gaining any trust within that community. Um, Tony yeah. Coates doesn't really discuss in, in his open letter to his son... Um, doesn't really discuss like the the ways to fix it, um, and the the reasons behind it necessarily. He just talks about mm-hmm. it as like the current reality that it is, and as a warning to like you know no matter what you're always going to be a black guy in this world, and so you have to always be on your guard no matter how wonderful a person you actually are. Right. Um, whereas Leovi's focus is more on, she also makes that comment, right? Like about you know, no matter what your accomplishments are, you're still in this community seen this certain way. And by the police, you're seen the certain way in some by some place in this way. But she does focus on she does kind of like give us some insights as to the why or at least what she thinks is the why, and also gives us a couple of, her thoughts on, like, how to fix it. So it's like it's like book-ending, almost, um, Tanihisi Coates's Coates' um, letter to his son.
0: Yeah. They'd make for a potent one to, or almost compare contrast or something, study, yeah. a side-by-side study. Yeah. I would say this book has a far more favorable view of policing than that book, but the race issues, the communal issues, there's a lot of things you could— you could touch on and that they share. That's true. Different perspectives, but no, I, I think that's well said and a good one to pull. Let's move now to the back half of our recommendation. If we haven't persuaded you yet, we'll keep trying. We each have prepared a scripted pitch for the book. So this is just what it sounds like. We've written something in advance that we're going to share with you to, again, try and convince you to read it, talk about what makes it worth reading, compelling, etc. I'll do mine first. I think I've gone first the whole day. Let's run You're to good. the breach, right? I'll charge <laughs> ahead. <laughs> um, okay. So, Let's get into this. At some point near the end of Ghetto Side, the author, Giuliovi um, quotes a bystander observing a murder scene cleanup. It's a really grim but routine scene throughout this crime drama. There's these huddled and traumatized people who are gathering somewhere on the south side of Los Angeles, and they're reacting variously to the murder in front of them. Some of them cry, some preach, some stare blankly and silently, some just randomly cry out into the night. In this particular moment, though, she makes note of a person who complains of the smell of Blood. The investigators and first responders don't clean it up quickly enough, the person remarks, and so they mention how the smell of blood always lingers too long. I go on that long anecdote just to show that observations like that kind of litter this book, and I think it's to her credit that many of them seem far from excessive or insensitive Kind of by the end of the book, the micro moments build up to something that feels essential. It it sets a mood. It's an atmosphere. So, yeah, this is a crime book. It's got, like, dedicated cops, exhausted cops, prejudiced cops, racist cops, and it also has intelligent gangbangers, remorseless criminals, uh, abused prostitutes, smart, insightful street dwellers. Like, it kind of does, it runs the gamut of those cliches and ideas. Um But it really never feels gratuitous or leering and rarely judgmental. Maybe could have used a little more judgment on the cops, but that's just my point of view. I think she has a strong sense of atmosphere and setting, and few locations are introduced without proper buildup, so it does have a good sense of self. Again, I can't say I agree with every lens that she chooses to apply to the work. I really do think it's a book about cops and doesn't care as much about the criminals, which... I think that's it's fine to write a book like that, but that's just the book it is, as you know, as a recommendation. Uh, but it was certainly measured and quite empathetic to the victims. I think that's also crucial. Don't want to let this go without saying that too. So respect on that. It is a strong dose of reality, I guess, is what I would say, and empathy that a lot of true crime today could use. And that's my final thought.
1: Um, I think that the empathy aspect is is very much important she comments on the idea of like the sensationalization of the media of um of gang bangers and stuff like that and and how they don't either report on Mm -hmm. the victims um in in this particular neighborhood but also if they do report on the victims then it's to frame it within the idea that they that the victims are also part of a gang and that they're like yes. in a gang war or whatever. So <clears throat> I think that that's, that's really telling. And I do also agree that she does some great job with, with setting and, and, and setting a mood as well. And I love her descriptions um, of the setting. I, I really enjoyed those aspects.
0: Yeah, certainly. And for your pitch, Amanda,
1: law and order the rookie brooklyn 99 which is an amazing show and so many other police shows can be found across all streaming and regularly scheduled programs if you still do cable um, the american public seems to have a fascination with the drama of the justice system but what of the more mundane the less sensational and what about the less sensationalized Leovi's Ghetto Side delves into LAPD policing policies and one particular homicide unit's philosophy and relationship with a particular community to weigh in on the debate about whether we should defund the police or to provide more resources to the police. She argues from the very first chapter that police need to be given more resources, better training, and more encouragement to improve relations with those they have sworn to protect, especially those in minority and impoverished neighborhoods that typically distrust the justice system as a whole. Although she certainly builds her case with historical facts, statistics, and journalistic observations, you don't have to be afraid to read this book if you're scared of philosophy or debate. She also has some amazing descriptions and narrative flow to really gut-check you emotionally as she presents her information in the frame of Bryant Tonelli's murder. Whether you agree or disagree with her point of view... This is worth reading.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, The main thing I would say is the narrative style and the kind of pulling you out, giving you emotional resonance, giving you kind of, I don't know, literary flourish, to put it simply. Mm -hmm. I would like to praise that, I guess. My review did not. I'm so glad you picked up on that because it's, yeah, it's so crucial to it. She just writes well. Again, fairly or not, evenly or not Bigger questions, bigger debates But she definitely has a journalistic Eye and ear and then kind of Leans in at really good moments And yeah, there's it's just kind of a Richly written thing Yeah excellent okay let's move now to the final segment last bit of persuasion here is upon us we're going to do a quote for clarification we've talked about the book a lot we also then want to give a quote that we think represents something important about the book what reading it is like what it will seem like feel like etc let's flip the script amanda go first with your quote but <laughs> i don't know why i'm oh, doing this here at the snaps. end but yeah. Okay. yeah i yeah shocking <laughs> a shocking move but no yeah take it away what's your yeah. quote for clarification
1: This is from the very first chapter, um, and it's um, a description of John Skaggs, who is the the protagonist, I suppose, of of the story, and um, of Pritchett, um, who is the mother of someone, um, of a, a young boy who was murdered. Uh, they made a strange picture, of the two of them, the tall white cop and the weeping black woman. Skaggs, like most LAPD cops, was a Republican. He would vote for John McCain for president that year. His annual pay was in the six figures, and he lived in a suburban house with a pool. It might be said of him that he was not just white, but a Caucasian archetype with his blonde and pink coloring and Scots-Irish features. Watts had twice... Watts being the city, had twice risen in revolt against just such an icon, the white occupier cum police officer. And so Skag's presence in this neighborhood was all the more conspicuous for the historical associations it provoked. Pritchett had a typical Had a background typical of Watts residents, and um, so it goes on to talk about that. And then it says, despite their differences, she and Skaggs were kin of a sort, members of a small circle of Americans whose lives, in different ways, had been molded by a bizarre phenomenon, a plague of murders among black men. So, we see uh, some of her description of Skaggs, um, and uh, juxtaposing that with the people that he serves. So he serves a predominantly black community um that's being overtaken uh, with violence and very little um, effective policing in a lot of ways. Um and also we see that they um she she tries to garner some sympathy here by connecting them in a way at the end by saying that even though there are some obvious differences between them mostly um, based on um, socioeconomic status and and skin color and everything like that, the the thing that really yeah. brings them together is that they both are feeling the effects um, of, of this really high murder rate and this particular murder. So it also right. immediately right. shows Skaggs as somebody that is sympathetic to that and somebody who is working to, to help with that, um, with that issue.
0: Yeah. Pretty crucial intro too, because he's such a focal point and for anyone coming in skeptical, she does humanize him well. Yeah, that's for sure. And it it does become kind of a crucial opening scene for him too. I pulled one from 32, my quotes from 32. It also introduces a police officer in the book. Though this is going to be Wally Tanelli, whose son is killed. That's, I don't know. You can't spoil nonfiction anyway, but that's... Yeah. It's not even really a spoiler because it's like the premise of the book. It's critical to the whole thing. Anyway, so this is just about Tinelli and his background as a police officer. Tinelli's stint as a gang officer came in the midst of the great American homicide wave of the early 80s. It was the era of crack cocaine and rock houses and open-air drug markets. The young Marine veteran was in heaven. There could be nothing better than wearing that dark blue uniform, driving fast cars, and chasing gangsters around all night. He didn't want to do anything... Else, certainly not detective work. Everyone knew detectives were a bunch of slugs, Tanelli recalled. He and his peers had a motto P2 forever for police officer 2, that is, the diehard street cops. And then he gets loaned out, and then this is her reflections on. Some cop stuff. The qualities that make a great homicide detectives are different from the qualities that make great patrol cops, but they are related. Wally Tennelli had a baseline of attributes that steer many young people toward police work. Although he was not college educated, he was smart and energetic. Police work can be a haven for brainy action oriented people who do not for some reason gravitate toward formal education the type type afflicted with what Dee Tonelli diagnosed in her whole family as a touch of ADD it made them uniquely suited for a job that was carried out almost entirely out of doors and involved sleepless nights, relentless bursts of activity and the ability to move from one situation to the next quickly without leaving too much behind they needed to be smart and quick but not necessarily bookish or terribly analytical and then she keeps going on with the traits. So these are things that she revisits a lot throughout the book. She does some kind of um, soft skill or personality analysis throughout trying to get at the heart of how can we not fix police, cause I don't think in her view or thesis we need to fix them. It's just that we need to improve them. Or it's it's not it's not that the foundation is cracked, it's that we have to build better upon that foundation, if I could use that metaphor. And this mm-hmm. is these traits, the things she admires or respects about cops that do an effective job, detectives eventually, of course, as Skaggs is. Just kind of permeates the book and she tries to poke and prod at these traits and tries to investigate what makes these people motivated what makes them effective and this is yeah it shows that she has a you know a good way of summarizing character she gets good quotes out of people too it's you know very thoroughly researched and at no point do we quibble with that that's like the least of our concerns throughout these episodes um it's it's very exhaustively researched and she clearly embedded herself quite deeply into the units and stuff so yeah she's got an eye for character those are some themes that she comes back to a lot and it's that kind of thinking about how policing can be done well and what you know what's going wrong and what goes right, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and that's um, that quote's a good example of how she um, she uses um, the behaviors and and the past motivations and the current motivations of of each of her quote characters um, to kind of give us insights into the way that they think as well.
0: Yeah, um, and yeah.
1: the reasons for their behavior. So um, yeah, so we we see why Tanelli makes certain choices in his life, why Skaggs. Um, make certain choices and, and behaves in certain ways as well without them actually having to voice themselves <laughs> their own motivations or anything like that
0: yeah definitely any final thoughts on ghetto side by Leovi? Uh, nope i'm good well that is our recommendation that's as much as we could persuade you to read with us we always try and keep these under 30 minutes so there we here we stand there we are (laughs) hopefully we persuaded you we'll be covering this book in two installments uh, cutting the book in half over the next two weeks amanda helpfully reminds me here the first book club episode will cover chapters one through fourteen so if you want to read with us check the feed on this coming friday whenever you're hearing this um We don't know the dates yet. (laughs) They're pretty far in advance. But yeah, check the feed this Friday. Otherwise, it'll be up there forever after whenever you're ready to listen. And that's Book Club Part 1, Chapters 1 through 14. If we did not persuade you to read this with us, we well, we apologize. We do our best. (laughs) But we do have other books coming up in order. Amanda, do you want to tell them about those?
1: Yeah. Next up, we have We Are Okay by Nina LaCour. Then we have The Ink All by Hodorowski and Mobius. And finally, we have Uncommon Type, some stories by the great Tom Hanks.
0: That's right. Actor Tom Hanks making his first appearance. You think we can get him for an interview, Amanda?
1: Ooh, yeah, definitely. We are that influential. Let's reach out to some publicists. <laughs>
0: we, again, are the Lightly Literary Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, all one word, at the Lightly Literary Podcast. Again, rate, recommend, review, tell your friends, family, your dog. Somebody in the church with you, somebody at the cafe next to you. (laughs) Just (laughs) spread the news far and wide. Anyway, um, we'll be back soon for those book clubs and uh, more recommendations in the feed. And as always, we'll see you between the pages.